Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 95.7 The Game's John Dickinson has been with the Warriors every day throughout the championship era. Half-court, the Warriors start to celebrate. The one-time darlings are now a dynasty. And now, he brings you the latest scoops on the back-to-back champs. He's looking good to go. And exclusive player interviews. What's up, Dub Nation? It's your boy, Stephen Curry. This is Warriors Weekly on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Dennison. Warriors Weekly Podcast, Episode 3. John Dickinson joined this week by... Matt Steinmetz. It's, it's not like we, you know, don't see enough of each other or do enough radio together, Matt. So we got to, you know, throw you on the podcast as well here uh, in episode three. We've already had Guru. Okay. And the first week was just a solo week where I kind of set the table. And then we had uh, Mike Brown, Warriors okay. associate head coach, who I know you got a chance to talk to earlier in the week as well with Guru. I couldn't think of a better way to tip off uh, this podcast. But yeah, now we're getting to the, the meat of the order, the heavy hitters. So batting third in our lineup is is you, Steiny. Isn't that usually where they put the best hitter on the team? Yeah, best hitter on the team, right yeah. there. And a lot, a lot of the analytics guys now they move it up to two. But I'm, uh, I'm, a, but I'm a traditionalist, yeah. so I want the best hitter to hit third. Right. So they want that extra at bat. What nineteen times a year? Yeah, maybe exactly. Okay. That makes all the difference in the world. Uh, so the Warriors uh, add Andrew Bogut into the mix this week. And they do it with DeMarcus Cousins missing a couple of games due to injury. You know, Andrew Bogut and Stephen Curry joked about this after the game against San Antonio, how you you see YouTube highlights of a guy and you think, you know, what's it going to look like? You know, he looks pretty good. Can that translate? I actually thought watching Bogut, he translated and Stephen Curry joked. He he thought the same thing. I mean, the, the YouTube clips of him playing in Australia matched what we saw on the court, I think, on, a, on an NBA level. Well, how many times have you heard or uh, or seen maybe, hey, this guy's in the best shape of his life. He's, he's lighter than he ever was, and he gets in, and you're like, he doesn't look that much lighter. But anyway, Bogut does look like he's in good shape, and he played 19 minutes in his debut. He's starting against uh, Minnesota the following night, so he's going to be able to play a back-to-back. What, what struck me from the game against the Spurs, J.D., is, you know, if you're telling me that Bogut can give you 20 minutes as a legitimate center, to me, it gives Kerr just one more option of if he wants to, he can play big for as long as he wants now. If he wants to play 40-plus minutes a game using a traditional center, he can do that with these two guys. Now, that's not really the way the Warriors – made their bread and butter over the years. But also, I think there might be another side benefit to this, and that is if you're going to have Cousins play 26, 27 minutes, if you can jam Bogut in for 12 or 14 minutes, 
what that also does is it means Draymond Green doesn't have to guard a five as much as he does now. So that might be a side benefit that's really beneficial that that Draymond Green will play less five and the only time he has to play five is when it's really, really important. Yeah, I was impressed with, with the body type for Andrew Bogut because it was pretty simple. He, I think he's in better shape than he was in when he last played for the Warriors at the end of, of 2016. I know he was banged up and missed the last couple of the games of the finals, but but he looked like a guy that was banged up and had played a lot of games and, and frankly was a little heavy back then. I mean, he, he looks like he's in better condition now than he was even then. Now, how does that hold up three years later uh, with him being older? I'm not sure, but the, the luxury that the Warriors have in this thing is they could not play him at all. They could play him eight minutes a game, or they could play him between 20 and 28 minutes a game, I think, in an emergency, especially if you know that you're going to only play him a couple of times a week or in certain matchups. I think the thing that sticks out to me is just the overall talent level of the Warriors. They added Andrew Bogut. All right, so look at their five position. It's their five position, the center spot, and they've got DeMarcus Cousins and Andrew Bogut. Those are two of the most skilled centers in the league. Now, I'm not saying Bogut's one of the best centers in the league. I'm saying he's one of the most skilled centers in the league. So if you're telling me you've got DeMarcus Cousins and Andrew Bogut, two phenomenal passers from the five spot, well, it's a wrap because the Warriors, I don't know if you've noticed, have Curry, Clay Thompson, and Durant. So if you're telling me they're fives, can pass the hell out of it. We know that Draymond can pass. I just don't see how it's going to be defensible, really. Well, and, and I think you could almost put Andrew Bogut in the game to help get your offense in line. You know, similar to the way Iguodala it goes in yeah. the game you know, mm-hmm. to, to get the offensive line in line, obviously from a different position. But there's certain sets that I think they'll be able to run that maybe they haven't been able to run since Andrew Bogut left them just based on his passing ability and knowledge of where Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson in particular like to get the basketball. I mean, he spoke after his debut against San Antonio about the fact that he's just learning all of the new players and, and where they like to get the ball, but he knows where Curry likes to get it. He knows where Clay Thompson likes to get it. And he's a pretty intelligent basketball player and a, and a very crafty passer. So I think it's an element of we focus on the defense and the body type and those kinds of things, but the, the the offensive stability that he could provide if the Warriors are a little scattered, I think, is a, another element and maybe an element that nobody really thought of. Yeah, and the other thing is they can both, and I mean Cousins and Bogut, play high or low. So you can throw it into Bogut uh, in the low post. Now, it's not necessarily for him to go to work and score, uh, but the defense has to react in some way. And if they don't, well, then you let him go one-on-one once or twice um, just to see what he can do. But that's the other thing. I mean, they're, they're interchangeable in a lot of ways. I almost want to say they're kind of similar in a lot of ways. But obviously, DeMarcus Cousins is is an infinitely better scorer, both in the low post and with his ability to face up. But they're both – they both have the same kind of skill level so that if you go to Bogut, you can still use him to pass. You can use him to rim protect. You can use him to try to, uh, you know, contain a penetrator up near the perimeter. I mean, 
they all of a sudden got deep at the center position. Yeah, and they have options. They have two big bodies. They have two smaller types, Kevon Looney, Jordan Bell. You may just have to kick that chair away. You've been trying to get comfortable. We should let everybody know. You've been trying to get comfortable in this chair for the five, six minutes that we've been it's nothing recording new. here. Nothing new. So the, uh, the other day I was doing a show with Guru, sure. and I see the text line. And it says, gosh, this is fun to watch you guys. Steinmetz just gets up and sits down all the time. And I'm saying to Guru, how does this guy know? Yeah, because you're on the camera. And then I forgot. They have that, they have that camera. Yeah, I'm, it's kind of my thing. My tag, stand up, sit down, move the mic. But no it looks fidgety. like you can't get that chair at the right level for no, where the microphone no, is No, I at. can't roll it over the carpet. Oh, okay. See what I'm saying? It's getting stuck. I got you. So it just you never so I'll really... Go, I'll go with the stand for the next so just... eight minutes. Well, the good news is nobody's watching us That's record good. this, except for our guy Nash. That's He's good. in here. He's, yeah. So, you know. That is good. Yeah, you know, one of the other things I always like to, to get into with you is matchups, potential matchups. And, and look, the, the standings are just... Con- it is just a – you don't know who's going to end up first or second now between the Warriors and the Nuggets. You don't know who's going to be really four, five, six, seven, or eight at this point either. And, and the Rockets are only a, a game or, or two above you know, even that fray at this point in time. Uh, anything change about San Antonio for you? I know they're working their way up the standings. Yeah. I mean, they, they they play much differently at home. I mean, they, they're they really the equivalent do. of a 60-win team at home, and then they're the equivalent of, I don't know, a 27-28 win team on the road. I think if you're a Warrior fan, I wouldn't even worry about the first round yet because it's so volatile. I mean, five days ago, we would have never thought Oklahoma City could end up eight. And they're well, a they game could, out. Right. And they're, yeah, As they're we one game it. out. Uh before the season started, nobody thought Utah was going to be down near the bottom, seven or eight. I think a lot of people didn't even expect the Clippers to be there. So, yeah, I think I wouldn't worry about it right now if I were Warriors fans because I, I think it's almost a flip of the coin. Now, who do you want is another question. Who do you want if you're the Warriors? I'm still taking the Spurs if I'm looking for the easiest series. Why don't you, why don't you, well, let's kind of run through and rank Utah, them. Utah, oh, well, Oakland, first well, round. First, first round. First round series, what would be the easiest series? What would, Spurs is what I think. Okay, and why do you think that? I just don't think they can beat the Warriors more than once in a series. That's all. I just, they're, the Warriors have beaten them two years ago in a sweep, last year in five games, and I don't really think they're as good as they were two years ago. Okay, where else would you go with it? What would the next... Clippers. Clippers would be the easiest, you think? Next easiest. Just just lack of experience and... Yes. No superstar. But, yeah, but, but also now, what there, is it? there's an unknown there. There's an unknown. That's a team we don't really know about. They, they haven't played the Warriors that much. They seem like the team that would be most apt to, to maybe get into a brawl that might linger into the next series against the Warriors. Well, and the reason the reason I'm saying this about the Clippers, JD, is because if you look about the look at the potential first round matchups, you got the Spurs, well they've played those guys in the last 2 years. You got the Jazz, we kind of know what to expect in one of those series. It'll probably be ugly, but the Spurs, I mean the uh, Jazz just can't score enough. And then if Oklahoma City falls to 8, we know all about Oklahoma City. So the the thing about the Clippers that makes it interesting to me is we haven't seen that matchup with the Warriors, at mm-hmm. least with this group. And Utah, you think, would be an ugly, yeah. just an ugly style of game. Right, but I do think, and you, you were the guy who brought this up. I mean, if you look at, if they get Oklahoma City, Utah, Houston, 
and then Toronto or Boston. That's tough. That's as tough as it gets. But if you get the Spurs, the Blazers, and the Nuggets, and you waltz into the finals, that's a lot different. Well, and it's interesting now because, you know, as it stands, and again, it could go a million different directions, but, you know, Portland could be a second-round opponent, and that's a, an opponent that, yeah, can beat the Warriors from time to time, but the Warriors are very comfortable against them. Maybe San Antonio becomes a team that, that could get into that mix for a second-round opponent, and, and like you said, you think that's a team that the Warriors could, could handle. And then Denver. I mean, if Denver winds up, getting a a path that favors them where maybe they don't have to play Oklahoma City or Houston uh, for a while, maybe they could wind up being in the conference final. And, and the conference final ends up being a little easier than maybe even the second round for the Warriors. If the Nuggets and Warriors end up 1-2 or 2-1, they will not meet in the Western Conference Finals. That would be my prediction. I don't think Denver can win two series. What if the Rockets end up fourth and the Warriors end up first? Then they play them in the second round, right? The Warriors would play Houston in the second well, right, round. Right, but that's what and, I'm saying. What I mean is then, the, and then and then Denver would be left in the back end of that. I mean, what if Denver, you know, Denver gets to play the Clippers and I don't know. and somebody knocks out Oklahoma City and no, I don't. Th- I I just don't. I don't think. I think they're going to win a round, but I I don't know that they're. They're able to. They're going to be able to win too. All right. Final topic here is we got Matt Steinmetz uh, on the Warriors Weekly Podcast with John Dickinson, Sam Amick going to join me as well from the Athletic here Maybe coming he's up. The four in, hitter in just a moment. I can live with that. Yeah, I, I, Sam's I a heavy with, hitter. Yeah, I can live with Sam as, as the four, number yeah. four hitter. Just as long as we don't bring Guru back. Or what if we bring Fortenbaugh in next week? You don't. I'd bring Fortenbaugh in a couple weeks. Couple weeks. Yeah. More of but, like a six seven. A seven. Seven eight maybe. Okay, all right. Seven eight. Uh, the demeanor of this Warriors team. Where are you on the demeanor? I know that's something that changes. I think as frequently as the standings do in the Western Conference. This team back to liking each other? Or? No, no, no? no, 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 no. I think I think they've. I think it's all run its course, and they all kind of know. Did you see Draymond's quote from a few yeah. days ago? If he go, he go. That's going to be like the I'm always a Warriors. Monte Ellis. But basically, Draymond Green says, you know, if Kevin stays, he stays. If he goes, he goes. And I'll tell you what, if he goes, we'll still win. we're still going to win the championship this year. That told me that, that they kind of know. And there's an understanding. I don't even think it's anything they talk about. They know. This is the last run. The last year for this particular team. And so I think they're gonna, that's going to help them, uh, even if there are some bumps along the way. I really do. Because it – they're smart enough to know the only thing that could mess this up is kind of their own selves. I really think they've understood that or understand that and that they're going to they're going to be good enough to to win it all this year. Well, and the one thing that the Warriors have going for them still is the fact that they are the most talented team and it's not like Kevin Durant is going to not show up in the playoffs. Right. I mean, if there's one thing Kevin Durant has done when he's been healthy, it's been raise his game to a difference-making level, maybe even more so than he has in the regular season when the Warriors have needed him and the Warriors in the playoffs have, at times, gone to him to bail them out, whether it's against LeBron James or against the Rockets, and he's been there to do it in the biggest moments. He's had a way of getting them buckets at really important times. 
And he gets them without four other guys a lot of times having to do anything. And that's so valuable in the NBA because there's so many times it comes down to the last three or four minutes and buckets are hard to come by. It's so nice to just be able to throw it to Kevin Durant and know that he can get a 17-footer anytime he wants and he's probably going to knock it down. The, the, the balance, of course, is you don't want to do too much of that, particularly in the you know, first three, three-and-a-half quarters of a game. But I tell you what, it's always fun, J.D., to hear about a player or to watch a player from afar, see him play eight, ten times a year, and then he gets traded and you see him 82 times a year. And you realize, wow. Yes. And so the one thing that Kevin – Kevin Durant's better than I thought he was. Let's put it that yeah. way. From the days in Oklahoma City. And, I'm not and just, we all thought he was great. Yes. And I'm not saying, well, he got here and he improved. I'm sure he did to some extent, but, I mean – It's a real Ke- deal. Like, Kevin Durant – for me, has gone from, man, he's a great player to he might be one of the best of all time. Like, he can lay claim to a top 10 or top 15 maybe. Now, I don't want to get into that now, but sure. I think that's where he's at right now. We'll, we'll save that one for the next time you come around in cool. the order. Is there anything in the last 12 or 13 games aside from injury that would worry you? Do you think that the Warriors are at a point where – because to me it would be one blow up. You can't have any more – you can't have another Draymond Durant kind of a thing you can't have something even if the media doesn't find out about it that's the one thing you can't have that one almost fracturing moment between now and the end of the year and we, we've talked about it a lot on, on Warriors this week how it almost feels like this team is just hanging on to try and get to the playoffs and then maybe the mood or at least the focus will change which will keep everybody together I actually think these last handful of games 10 12 13 games there's a, it's a little bit of a, a fragile kind of a danger zone. Is there anything that would, that would worry you along those lines? Well, I was just thinking about that because obviously the first thing is injury. I mean, one injury changes things dramatically if it's in their top six or seven. So other than that, you're right. I mean, what could really worry you? So this is what I've come up with. If there's 12, 13, 14 games and they go eight and six from this point on or seven and seven, you know, maybe even eight and six or, or you know eight and seven, something like that that would that would raise my eyebrows a little bit because they they're trying to be better than that going into the playoffs, and they can't deny it. They are trying to get momentum into the playoffs, so they go seven and seven on the way in. that tells me they couldn't execute the one thing they wanted to do most. Matt Steinmetz, thanks a lot. Oh yeah, Warriors Weekly podcast. Hey, we'll talk to you. want to talk to you. All right, joining me now on the Warriors Weekly, Sam Amick of The Athletic. Uh, And he had a great piece uh, in The Athletic that you should definitely check out. uh, Talking about uh, whether or not the Warriors should be feared and kind of gauging the pulse of some different players uh, in the league as well. Uh, Of course, some great quotes from Draymond Green in that piece uh, in addition to everything else. And Sam joins me now here. Uh, on Warriors Weekly. Sam, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, how are you? J.D., I'm, I'm doing great. I'm uh, joining you from the old Kings game here. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, it should be a good chat here. And, and, and I'll just come out and, and ask you straight up, just, just kind of lay out 
how uh, that that piece came to mind uh, because I mean the Warriors have been up and down this season. I mean I, I did the right. math on it a little bit today. They're ten and one, and then they're thirteen and twelve, and then I believe they're eighteen and two, and now they're six and seven uh, at the point where we're recording this in their last thirteen games. Uh, has the league caught up? Uh, g- give us your gauge on that, and then uh, the people you talk to uh, about it as well. So, to your first question, I mean, the genesis of it is one of my favorite parts of being at the athletic. And I know I sound like a shameless commercial, but it's true. Is it's just the freedom to have different stories, concept-wise. And I wrote earlier in the year about from the Warriors' perspective who they might fear and kind of what they thought of other elite teams. And that was an interesting kind of thought exercise. Boston, 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 right, Sam? Yeah, yeah, a lot of Boston, a lot of Boston. Uh, And so, you know, that was fascinating. I think readers, fans in general, just enjoy, uh, as much as we love talk radio, we love, you know, having to give people our perspective. They want to know what these players actually think. And so this was taking that idea in the other direction. And uh, I was in Oklahoma City. I was also in Indiana with, Oklahoma City, and talked to Markeith Morris was probably the guy that, that got the story going because he was super candid and, and essentially said that I think the Warriors are definitely more beatable now, said that he thought the drama they've been through was very real, it was beyond basketball, and, and I was pretty surprised by his perspective. Then I ended up trying to connect with Paul George, Stephen Adams, and uh, and see what they thought. Even Russell Westbrook, he wasn't very loquacious, but but I gave it a shot. And then Rather than just have the perspective on one side, I, you know, Draymond's always a great quote, and I kind of brought their views to him to see what he thought. And not shockingly, you know, he was pretty confident, pretty uh, kind of defiant at this idea that that they shouldn't be feared. Yeah, and well, and I, I guess to kind of lay it out, Sam, uh, what do you? I mean. Do you think it's lip service from Draymond Green at that point, uh, just the typical defiance, or, or do you think there is this ability, as, as he referred to, to almost compartmentalize you know, everything that's gone on with this team in an attempt to, to find that you know, common goal, which is to win that third championship in a row? I think, I mean, 100% it's possible, uh, probable even. You know what I mean? Like if I'm not a sports media guy and I'm at the Vegas book and I'm putting my money down, I'm probably still going with the Warriors. So I think it's just a lot more complicated and nuanced than in past years because, kind of like I wrote, you've got the DeMarcus Cousins component, which continues to be a new thing that you're trying to iron out, and some nights it's great, some nights it's a little trickier. You know, you've got the fatigue factor, which is always part of their their journey, but, you know, it's I feel like they've been doing this so long now, J.D., that it's like compound interest. Like, you're going five years strong, 82 in the regular season, you know, however many in the postseason. So the fatigue is a very real thing. Then you have the idea that, you know, that I think the depth on the second unit is not what it used to be. So you go out and get a familiar face and Andrew Bogut. So, you know, they've got all their stuff that they're trying to work on. But on the flip side, and this is what I loved about Marquise's point of view, was like you kind of alluded to earlier, the rest of the league has been strategizing with one goal in mind, which is to figure out what the Warriors do and combat it for years now. And they have changed their approach. They've changed their rosters. And I think that's playing a part, too. I do think you're seeing the league catch up to them. Well, and, and then the next question is, 
is there that team that can get them this year if the Warriors are engaged and if the Warriors are fully healthy? Because there doesn't seem to be, at least from where I sit, a team that's even the Rockets of a year ago. And I know we talked you know, off the air a couple of weeks ago about Milwaukee. I think I saw you when Milwaukee played in Sacramento a couple of weeks ago right. when they were out right. west. And, and, and I know you, you've been impressed with them, and, and they've got you know, injury issues of their own. But do you see a team that is maybe the Houston of last year? Well, Milwaukee still, I mean, if, let's talk finals matchups. That could be the team. You know what I mean? Malcolm Brogdon getting hurt is a big deal. But if they kind of get lucky on the health front with him, he could be back by the second round. Maybe in the end that's not as big a deal as we thought. He's a huge piece for him. I know a lot of listeners in the Bay might have never even heard of Malcolm, but he's a two-way player, very important for what they do. Well, so I'm not giving yeah. up. Oh, go ahead, brother. No, I just was jumping. And somebody that, that, that I'd heard the Warriors were pretty high on themselves if they could have got their hands on him, but Milwaukee ended up taking him. You know, they ended up taking him before that could happen. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and, and it's uh, to be a rookie of the year as he was, you know, when he first came into the league as a second rounder is pretty darn good. And he just, I mean, he, I actually didn't know this until I read it today. Um, he's going to become the eighth guy in NBA history to tally uh, the good old 50, 40, 90 mark, uh, 50% from the field overall, 40 from three point range, 90 from the free throw line. He's extremely accurate and he defends like crazy. So he's important. Um, but if you got to look at the West, I mean, the Rockets, you know, other than that loss to the Warriors, have been spectacular of late. And so I'm not giving up on them. In fact, if anything, I, I probably gave up on them earlier in the year, and now I'm, I'm really starting to buy what they're selling again. Um, Daryl Morey, head of their front office, has made a bunch of moves all year long. Never imagined that somebody like Kenneth Fareed would be playing meaningful minutes and actually really fitting in nicely with them like he is. You know, Chris Paul's health is front and center when it comes to their chances of being that team. But, you know, we'll see. Even OKC, as bad as they've been lately, I think in the context of a seven-game series, could, you know, give the Warriors uh, at least a run. Sam Amick of The Athletic joining me, Warriors Weekly, 95-7 the game. Uh, and, Sam, I'll go back to this because the nature of, of the Warriors season really has been you know encapsulated with the last week. You look at you know, the awful loss at home to Phoenix, then they go out on the road and they, they take care of Houston. They, they you know dismantle Oklahoma City and, and make that look like it would be a, a favorable matchup uh, for, for the Warriors if those two teams wind up you know, facing each other. Uh, but when you look at it, is there anything beyond an injury that you think could happen with this team between now and the end of the regular season that could maybe create a, an unrepairable fracture? Because to me, that's the, that, that's the thing to, to look at in these final games. It's not even wins and losses or who ends up one or who ends up two or who winds up you know in what slot and what seed in the West. It's almost... Can they take another blow in terms of chemistry or locker room, and how do they avoid having that happen? I mean, do you foresee anything that that could happen that could carry into the playoffs? Because I almost view it as if they can get to the playoffs, then they're going to be fine. It's getting through that next, you know, what is it, three weeks now, three and a half weeks that could be the the, the problem. So I'm mostly with you. I would buy. I'm going to endorse the premise from the standpoint of that next thing could be very problematic. I don't agree with you in terms of once you get to the playoffs, you're in the clear. In fact, I'd probably flip it the other way and okay. say because of the pressure 
that comes with the playoff and the lack of breathing room or kind of, you know, competitive margin between you and your opponent, you don't have time or energy or emotion to have anything that could derail you as a group. And if you do, and if it takes you a couple days to get over it, guess what? You just drop two games in a seven-game series, and that's a wrap. You're done. So um, I, I do think something like that could happen. I continue to feel as if the, the locker room in general is just not nearly as kind of enjoyable as it was a few years ago. I even told Draymond that, just flat out said to him from a media standpoint, we tend to walk away feeling like, man, these guys are tight, you know, and, and he didn't necessarily disagree. He just kind of nodded. So I think partly that's why you go out and get an Andrew Bogut, you know, with a personality like his and kind of another distraction. So once you get in the playoffs, you got to keep that stuff in check. And I also think that, you know, it was interesting last week when you had multiple reporters in the Bay essentially reporting that there was some frustration from players in Steve Kerr's direction as it related to, you know, defending players against the officials and just like a weird sort of kind of undertinge of, of frustration that was unique to their story. It's been a love affair for the most part, other than the one Draymond flare-up with Steve a couple of years ago. So to me, that's the kind of stuff that we'll be monitoring going forward. How much do you think Andrew Bogut can help th- that situation? Because that, that is something that could be maybe an underrated aspect of, of adding him into this mix. I think it's big because, honestly, I, I, would love, I have not had – you know, an on or off the record discussion with Steve Kerr about Bogut since they brought him back, or even when they were thinking about it. If he, you know, and, and this is something he probably wouldn't be willing to chat about till the offseason anyway, but I would love to know in his heart of hearts, like where his head was at, and Bob Myers too, obviously. But I feel like from a psychological standpoint, it's a heck of a way to remind everybody in that locker room that this is a, this is a story that started, you know, not six months ago, not a year ago that this thing is a journey that, that began with that team that went out eventually won 73 games and won the title the year before that, um, and he was part of it. I feel like it kind of ties it up and, and it almost brings the old era together with the new era in a kind of way that if I'm one of those players, if I'm even, even Steph, even Clay, guys who are you know probably love the fact that now another human being in that room kind of reminds you of what you did in the beginning of it all, you know, I think that – could play a part. Just the chemistry is a fickle thing, and moods are certainly fickle. And I think Andrew, he's he is, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, a smart ass, and he's a guy that you know I think is going to keep things loose. And, and now that he jumps on board late in the year here. Final question for you, Sam. Uh, if I had to say, what would the most difficult path to a championship be for the Golden State Warriors? I'm asking you for four opponents. What would the most difficult path be? To a title, uh, San Antonio. Um, I don't have the brackets in front of me, so you're well. It, it changes. It, it it, you can you can pick whoever you want because it 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 changes. I mean, San Antonio is all the way up to five now. <laughs> so, yeah. and there's a I think a game separating three from eight at this point, or maybe two games between three and eight. So you can you can pick right. any four. I mean, San Antonio. OKC, Houston, and uh, toughest matchup in the East. Man, that's a tough one. I'm, I've been bullish on Milwaukee. I'm, I'm tempted tempted to, to go with Toronto. 
Uh, I think Kawhi's history as a championship-level player, Danny Green. I'll go with Toronto. I'll say Toronto in the final. Okay, that's a good one. How impressed have you been with the Spurs and their their hot streak of late? They 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 almost made me want to change my opinion of them. Just know. You know, watching them against the Warriors and then watching them kind of get hot here. I know they've been terrible on the road and great at home all year, but that that was a pretty impressive win they had over the Warriors, even shorthanded. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really was. I mean, I've been impressed enough that every so often, you know, you and I talk about the industry, and, and on, as far as my role, I'm supposed to have a decent level of coverage all across the NBA, and the Spurs story is the latest one where I end up going, man, I'm kind of asleep at the wheel here because I need to learn more about this group that is far better than I realized. And, and I watched it last night trying to, you know, figure out Derek White, who's just kind of burst on the scene, guy who's in his second year doing really good things. Uh, and just it's incredible. So uh, I've been impressed. I mean, Greg Popovich, all of a sudden, I mean, legitimately put himself back in the coach of the year discussion. I wrote something a couple of weeks ago about coach of the year, and I didn't even have him in my top three, you know. But but what he's done is, is something else, and uh, it's it's wild to watch. I don't know if it's 100 percent for real when it comes to being this dominant and you know eight nine in a row, whatever it is. But it's a lot better than we thought it was going to be, especially back when Dejounte Murray got hurt at the beginning of the year. Well, yeah, and you left them out because two weeks ago or three weeks ago they weren't that good, right? I mean, it right, just it, right. it really is. I mean, you look at it now, and it's you know it's just been an emphatic run uh, down the stretch of the season. Sam, I really appreciate the time. Thanks a lot for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, JD. Thanks, brother. All right, Sam Amick of the Athletic, and really a, a tremendous piece uh, about. Should the Warriors be feared? A lot of great quotes in there uh, from Draymond Green and, and Markeith Morris and, and others. Uh, so definitely uh, check it out uh, over at The Athletic. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.